Thank you for tuning in on Cop with Comic. I'm Brian Cop, and we're here with Comic Alan Altman. Alan Altman, how the hell are you? Hey, Brian, doing good. Dude, thank you? you so much. Oh, dude, I mean, I, I'm so good now because I get to talk to you about Seinfeld of all things, which is fucking great. I've yet to have a Seinfeld episode. You can't imagine my joy. Well, I'm glad to talk about it. Love the show. <laughs> yeah, yeah, maybe you can't imagine my joy. You know, like a fellow Seinfeld fan would get the joy of talking about Seinfeld. And so, uh, yeah, real quick, where, where are you doing online stand-up comedy? It sounds like, you know, I follow you here at Twitter. You're Alan, Alan, so, Alan you're so crazy. Alan, you so crazy just rolls off the tongue. And then <laughs> Alonstagram is hilarious for Instagram. And you are the man behind What's That Cloud, which is the funniest fucking thing. If you see some clouds and it looks like something to you, you'll snap a picture of those clouds, which is the first thing in the slideshow. But then if you go to the next picture in the slideshow, you have drawn a picture of what that cloud looks like. And it is huge. Like people on Instagram love clouds and you tapped into that again. Yeah, it's been great. Um, <laughs> it's been a real whirlwind. <laughs> it's been crazy. When I started it, I was doing like one a day. I was like, I got to keep up with this one a day. I'm going to run a cloud. Every and I did it for like 100 days straight. And then I stopped and I thought, this is, I'm much happier not doing it every day. There are things other than clouds which are funny. Yeah, I mean, look, everyone's obsessed with clouds. We all know that. But it's, there's other parts to life. Dude, I love it. I didn't know it till today. But it's, it, it's so, what's tragic about this comedy is that it has more followers than you. You are the man who created this fucking thing. Yeah, it's got a thousand more followers. Um, <laughs> I, I have 48,000. It has 49,000. <laughs> yeah, oh yeah. You both are. You both are pretty far along. But man, that's a tragedy to see that. But the fact that you're able to kind of bring comedy, you really have to, you know, cloud lovers need comedy too. And you're the guy who's, who's kind of dishing it out for them. Yeah, and I think it's important on Instagram to have different types of, especially now in this pandemic, to yes. have different avenues of like showcasing what can be funny so i like doing the drawings yeah i got other stupid videos on there on my other account um just to keep it interesting i, I was about to say that clouds don't have covid but i think they do like i think it's microscopic particles can sometimes just hang there in the fucking air it's airborne so these clouds now they may be covid clouds but they're pretty aren't they don't blame it on the clouds that's really <laughs> not fair dude come on that instagram account has thousands of followers motherfucker don't blame the clouds this might this my, my ticket, bitch. I love that shit. Well, Elon, I'm gonna lose all my followers if people think that they cause COVID. Alan, Alan Altman, what other comedy are you doing on this Instagram? Well, I've been doing these videos um, when the pandemic Larry, started. Larry, the doing... Larry, the COVID guy. Yeah, so I started doing Larry the COVID guy, which is Larry the cable guy, but he is talking about COVID-related stuff, and his catchphrase is "Get her tested." Yes. I love it. You're, you're doing more good than Larry the Cable Guy because I bet you he is not or he has not been pro-mask the entire time, I wouldn't think. That wouldn't be on brand for him. No, he hasn't been. He's been a, a real mask skeptic on his Twitter. <laughs> <laughs> He's one of those guys who will post a, a thing that's anti-mask and then just say, well, just saying, just putting it out there. Uh. <laughs> you get more germs putting on the mask, just saying. It's hard to breathe. <laughs> I'm a big guy. I'm a big guy. Dude, pulling a mad. I fucking love that shit. Dude, Larry the COVID guy. I mean, do you think that he should have his own Instagram account and that would outshine the clouds or no? Yeah, maybe. Maybe he should be a spinoff. 
Dude, you're doing nothing but spinoffs. I love this. And when you're doing kind of spinoffs, you know that you're doing something correctly. You've tapped into the fucking zeitgeist. There's people on Instagram who just love you. Are you bringing on TikTok too? I would think that your Larry the COVID guy could be huge on TikTok, which seems to lean liberal, I think. Yeah, well, let me tell you, I have been posting it on TikTok and they are not popular. <laughs> I think people see like the woods and the camouflage hat and they don't even want to, the algorithm just says this is not for people. <laughs> but I would think that, you know, maybe do better on, I mean, I guess you would fool the, the sensors on, you'd fool the AI on Parler or something like that, but they would hate the message. You know, parlor is that on parlor is that right leaning thing, and they're saying that like all these right leaning, you know, comics and commentators and things like that, they're all on parlor. But what they're saying is it's not fun because they're all on the alt right. Like there's nobody to troll. So if you got on there and put this shit on there, dude, like they're paying. They want to pay people like Christy Teigen to even come to parlor because they have nobody to fuck with. <laughs> so they, they they've literally I think they've literally made offers to some of these people on the left. It's like if you bring fifty thousand followers to parlor we will pay you this much money because it's so difficult to find people who are ready to be fucking flamed. And I think Larry, the COVID guy might be one of them. He could be popular there. Um, <laughs> kind of like the Colbert character in a way, you know, yeah. where some people don't know if it's making fun of, of them or not. Yeah. Like my wife has her father's side of the family is from Kentucky. Okay. And so I always think like whenever I post one of those videos that like her and you know, her, her aunts get a little bit wacky on Facebook with like some weird political stuff. Yeah. Uh, as you can imagine from Kentucky. <laughs> and and yet they like the videos. They share the videos. I'm not oh. really sure if they get that I'm like kind of making fun of it or if it's just, they just enjoy it. Like it's just, they're funny and I sound like them. Yeah. And, and some of them are not anti. I, I think some of them are kind of relieved at the fact that the whole, you know, the guy they've been defending for years has finally put a mask on. So now it kind of is like, dude, all right. I don't, you know, the mask thing is acceptable. I don't give a shit that much. Stop fucking with me about this mask thing. Let's put the issue to rest. Everybody put a mask on if you're inside or whatever. So it's nice though that they're sharing. Like, yeah, even if they don't understand this spoof, they can, they care about their their in-law enough to share it. Yeah, so I, well, yeah. I enjoy that. Dude, I love it. Well, just creating spinoffs left and right. But what we're going to talk about real quick today is just a, just I think, I think a mutual interest, a mutual love, but maybe not. Like, you know, I have the comic supply topics and I pick from a couple and I saw Seinfeld and I was like, dude, does he like Seinfeld enough like t to match me like for like on this thing? And I come on and your backdrop on Zoom is Seinfeld's apartment and I love it. So can please tell me you're a fan and you're not just fucking hating. You're not yeah, I, no, I love Seinfeld. I've okay. been watching it since I was a little kid. Yes. Um, it was from like a really little, like I was like five or six years old. I remember watching like some early season episode and I, I didn't know anything they were talking about. It was when <laughs> Jerry and Elaine were like, should we still have sex and be friends? <laughs> I, 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 was, I never even knew what, what that meant, but I was still like, uh, this, this guy kind of looks like what I'm going to look like when I grow up. <laughs> we um, can only yeah. hope. He's aged pretty well. Yeah, he looks pretty good for yeah. uh, 87. <laughs> I mean, you're doing well. You got a good hairline and shit, so I think you could, you know, I mean, it's, it, it's in the cards for you. So good job. Like, yeah, yeah good, I'm good jeans. There. That good jeans, I, I think you're going to water it down with those Kentucky jeans, but uh, I think you're going <laughs> to be a pretty good looking grandpa or something like that. Yeah. Uh, yeah, so, so, Real quick, I, I got to know, favorite episodes of all time, you know, I'm putting you on the spot. Which are the ones that tickled your fancy? Is it the earlier Larry David episodes where he was integrally involved and, you know, it was very rancy and George was very upset all the time? Or was it some of the later stuff, stuff where the absurdist stuff, you know, found the right writers 
and you found, you know, Newman, uh, you know, wanting to eat Kramer because he looked like a turkey because he. That's exactly what I thought of when you said (laughs) absurdist. Yeah, but yeah. So which which brand do you prefer? I like the Larry David seasons. Um, You know, not obviously not like season one. That's like just didn't really have its voice yet. But those middle seasons, those really great ones. You know, like and and the season long arcs, like when they were you know writing the pilot and getting the show on NBC. Um, Russell, Russell, da- Russell Dalrymple and Denise Richards. You peaked and I poked. Yeah. <laughs> it's like staring at the sun. <laughs> <laughs> and that's kind of true. Like I really, I'm not really a big tech guy. Like I, I like really thin people who are, you know, relatively flat chested because I'm, I'm fat. <laughs> so like to me, tits look like fat. And so I'm not really like, I like ass, I guess, but I don't like fat that much. And so, yeah. uh, so like, w- but one thing is like, if somebody peaked, I would poke. And when it comes to cleavage, it's like, I don't really like tits, but I mean, you know, below a certain size, I'll, I'll, I'll poke, I'll, I'll poke, I'll peek, I'll peek you at the poke. Look. You can't not look. It's a, it's a forbidden thing, and then it shows up all of a sudden. You have to peek. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You, you, dude, I love it. I mean, have you ever run into a situation like that where I mean, there was you, you, you were inappropriately caught by something like that? I mean, I, I always say that you know, you know, I, unfortunately, like when the girl's pretty far along, like I, I do look at some ass on the street, and I always say that I'll probably die crossing the street looking at ass. Like, have you ever been caught with anything like that? I know you're happily married right now. Well, yeah, what happens is, like, you'll be looking, and then if that person notices, then you have to, like, look away at something else that's very uninteresting and look at that. Yeah, behind me, me, hundreds of feet away. I was like, oh, I was looking at the car. Yeah, it was a nice car. Yeah, like, oh, I'm just a person who observes everything. And (laughs) that was just one of the things, but it had no special significance. And Alan Altman's like, I'm a stand-up. That's what I do. I notice things. I'm observational. <laughs> so did that kind of, you know, I, you know, we're going to talk about Seinfeld a lot more, but I guess I'm putting two and two together. You know, did, did that kind of influence your decision to become a stand-up? And did you become observational? And if so, was it because of that? Uh, yeah, I think, I think Seinfeld was a big influence. Um, <gasps> of becoming just, a comic. Yeah, because, you know, you watch the episodes and he, there he is uh, doing it yeah. in the beginning of the episode, at the end of the episode. And it seemed like a pretty cool life and everything. And at the very least, um, it taught you early on that this was a profession. Like I had Art Kaya and he was like, dude, I was raised in Oklahoma or some shit. Like I didn't even know it was a profession until this course in college. And so you knew pretty young that this was a profession that could be pursued by somebody in the earth. Yeah, I just, I, I just, um, you know, certain heroes of mine, I loved comedy and stand-up was just what they were doing. People like Dave Chappelle and Norm MacDonald, Mitch Hedberg was a big influence on me. Yeah, and I guess I'll give you my hot take because, you know, I, I go back and I watch the, the Comedians in Cars episodes over and over again. And one of the ones I love is, is the Norm MacDonald one. It's one of my favorite episodes. I love, you know, I love Jerry and also uh, Alec Baldwin, who's amazing, you know, him and Kate McKinnon, like Steve Harvey. Some of these things I watch over and over again because I like the place. I like the guests. Seinfeld's good at talking and stuff. He's just, he, he just seems like a joy to be around. And I also like Comedian, that documentary about, you know, him and Orny Adams and things like that. But I almost think that, and of course the show is amazing. Do you agree with my hot take that Jerry Seinfeld is the, you know, is the, you know, George Carlin of comedy product, but not the George Carlin of stand-up comedy? Meaning, if George Carlin is the end-all, be-all, and I totally disagree with that. Me and Dustin Chafin talked about it. But like, is it possible to love somebody's comedy product and slightly dislike? some of their stand-up yes i think that uh, i agree with that i mean I, I love seinfeld the tv show i think his stand-up is you know structurally it's perfect and all of that but like it doesn't make me fall out of my seat laughing like other comics do 
Yeah, like, and also because it's all above the above the above the ears. You know, it's all kind of in the head. Observational is very, very thoughty, and I tend to get a little bit more hyped up when it comes to somebody who's showing a little bit of emotion, like a Bill Burr or somebody like a Kevin Hart who has a lot of act outs. You know, because it's energy, it's uh, it's taking me to emotion and energy. Whereas it's like, all right, yeah, that's that's cool. That was a nice new way of thinking of things, Jerry, but you're not really transporting me. There's no escape there. It's like after this, of oh, course, cool. yeah, of course, I'm gonna look at that thing that you dove deep on, and I'm gonna look at it in your in your way. Thank you for that. That's cool, but it's a little thing, like baking your head into a block of cheese. <laughs> the whole where, where else can you put cheese on the pizza? Pretty soon they're gonna be putting our, our head in a block of cheese, <laughs> which is cool. But, but and, and I guess the, the the problem with it is he's so honest about how hard stand-up is. You know, like during comedian, he's like, oh, it's so hard to get comfortable and stuff like that. Whereas other people come along like Bill Burr and Kevin Hart, they put out four or five Netflix specials. It looks effortless, even though it's not. And I like them better. And so like, like you know, he's really looked like, you know, he's he's gnashing his teeth trying to get this act together. I'm like, and it's still not not half as good as some of these specials that are out there. Yeah, it's, um, I guess he's kind of a perfectionist with it. Whereas maybe someone like Bill Burr doesn't have to be because it's yeah. more of the character that like anything he says seems funny because of the way he's delivering it. And just because you really get his persona so much. With Seinfeld, yeah, but, it's not so much persona. It's really just the thought. And that, it's so, that's so funny too, because he could be the other way. Because like he said, he's like, you can be famous to where people talk about you, or you can be famous where people start to talk like you. I'm so famous that people want to talk like me. And that's so true. Like, you know, oh, am I being funny right now? It's like, yeah, is this a bit? Like he really could go out there like Bill Burr and talked about deeper things. And it would be interesting because um, it's just, you know, the way he talks. But, you know, having said all that, of course, he's a great comic. And I just love him for his comedy product in part because he's talking about how hard stand-up comedy is. But, as, you know, because of that, because I kind of downplay his stand-up, his recent special was surprisingly good. Did you take that down? I didn't watch the new special. Um, I, another side project that I'm that I do is with this another comedian, Rob Ryan. He and I do these videos called Comedians Guessing Punchlines. Oh. And what we do is we watch a new special that we haven't seen yet. We have another comedian watch it ahead of time and timestamp for us when we should pause right before certain punchlines, and we try to guess where the comedian's going to go with it and see if we can get the punchline right. That's and amazing. So, and what's your batting average on guessing? We just haven't watched it because we don't want to ruin it. We have yes. to make sure that we're totally pure if we're going to use it for one of those episodes. Yeah, I want to go in pure. You're like, you're like Costanza. I want to, you're like Frank Costanza. Don't tell me about, don't tell me about the channel. I'm going to go in pure, whatever it was. Um, <laughs> oh, Firestorm. Yeah. Um, so, so what's your batting average on guessing the punchline correctly? We're pretty good at it. Um, yeah. I'd say it really depends. Some people, it's actually surprisingly easy. Um, if you take enough time, you can figure out where it's going to go. Like we did Anthony Jeselnik. Okay. And we might have gotten 50% of them right. Okay. It's going to be a dead baby at the end, something like that. Yeah. So you just know, okay, it's going to go as dark as possible. What's uh, the right, what darkness is it going to go to? And we spend anywhere from like two to five minutes discussing where we think it might go before we get to like our final guesses. That so is cool. Some people might say like, oh, you're guessing his punchlines. Is this like your, your, are you saying that he's not a good comic because they're predictable? And we say, no, like we, it took us so long to figure out where he's going to go. If you're watching this in a comedy yeah. club or on TV, your mind doesn't work that fast. So that's yeah. still the surprise factor that makes you laugh. That's cool. But you can also say it could have gone here and it would have been more interesting had he gone here. Like you guys are exploring all these avenues, some of which might be more interesting than how it actually went. So I'd be interested not only to hear if the prediction was correct, 
but also what alternate predictions would have been better. Yeah, like, um, and we, we, we include that in our, in our little videos, like well, our bad guesses, our, our wrong guesses, not bad, but like the ones that maybe would have been better than where a comic went. Sometimes the comic goes like very predictable and we're like, wow, we really thought <laughs> they would do more here. Yeah, we nailed that in about five seconds. So yeah, who are, you know, without throwing anybody uh, under the bus that isn't already been canceled, you know, is there any comedians that have been really fucking predictable? Um, I'm trying to think, one that we had trouble guessing was Wanda Sykes. And we kind of always knew the ballpark of where she was going to go with her punchlines. Okay. But what made it great was that she would kind of go there, but then like add some flair to it. That was just like, that like showed like why she's a great comic. Oh, so so like we could say like, oh, she's going to say something about, uh, you know, leaving a baby in a car. Yeah. Um, but she would say it in, in her own way with the, and the word choice, everything about it, like just made it better when she did it. Good. And it's even like Kevin Hart, like, you know, I put him on my Mount Rushmore, but one of, you know, you go back to some of these specials and you're like, you know, is this story that funny? It's like, oh, it's because he's acting out. It's because he's doing the voices. And so my question is like, you know, Alan Altman on stage doing standup, um, you know, did you go observational or kind of what direction did you take with your comedy after you grew up with Seinfeld? Um, yeah, I mean, I think when I started, it was a little bit more, um, observational absurdist kind of I was I was influenced by Mitch Hedberg sort of stuff so it wasn't like one-liners but there was a lot of just sort of fantastical thought yeah and how'd that uh, work how'd that work how'd that work out how'd that work out it was okay but <laughs> I, it's kind of I've evolved from that I guess um now it's more like personal observational but like structured jokes and so I'm not like yeah. a long storyteller I like to have my bits be you know 30 seconds to a minute okay for the most part and I, Mike Kaplan, he said that his, his auto, you know, autobiographical stuff is becoming more relatable. You know, once you start getting married and stuff like that, have you found out that over time, your autobiographical stuff is getting more relatable because you got married or whatever? Um, yeah, I think uh, having that common ground helps um, for sure. Uh, a lot of the stuff I talk about also is things about like, I'm, I'm short, so it'd be like stuff about being short. You know, things about like myself, but I think other people can relate to that. Or yeah. if not, they can at least laugh at me. <laughs> um, because i'm pointing out personal flaws yeah. and they're like yes that's what i was thinking when i saw you <laughs> but i couldn't put it so well as you just did. yeah so they, they like to laugh at me for that and i'll, I'll take that i'll take any kind of laugh yeah, well, yeah if you're laughing with me or laughing at me you're still laughing yeah i'm still chalking that up as a win <laughs> I, I mean how come you became a, a stand-up comic instead of something like working at playing sports or working at the yankees like you could have went in the george direction or the elaine direction and worked for jay peterman I totally wanted to work for a, a sports team. Um, like in college, I interned for the Nets for like a summer, and that was wow. really cool. Was um, that during the the KG years and all that? Paul Pierce, that debacle. It was. It was during the years when they went to the finals, actually. So it was <sighs> pre that. It was like the Vince Carter, Kenyon Martin, Jason Kidd Nets. Was that? Was Deron Williams was after that? Uh, yeah, he was like he was somewhere in in the dark period. There were so yeah. many. I'm a Knicks fan, and like. Uh, all these years blend together. There's been 20 years of terrible teams. And I, sometimes I forget like that certain stars were ever there. So, yeah, like for the Nets, like Darren Williams being there, like, yeah, that, that happened. And it was kind of crappy. <laughs> you look back and you're like, that happened. But, and so you're talking about stuff, you know, like you weren't able to go, you know, like you looked up Jay Peterman and you were like, dude, this is not actually a real catalog. I can't work there. You know, um, I, I did the sports team thing. I didn't get to work with Steinbrenner and get his pastrami sandwich or whatever, or the, the pita pocket. 
Peter Parker uh, prevents the drip. Yeah, the Calzone. And so, so you're like, I got to do the stand-up comedy thing. And, and did you start pretty young? I mean, you know, did you start at some of the places? You know, were some of the places around that he started at? He's always talking about Catch a Rising Star, and I imagine that's closed. Yeah, that wasn't around. I mean, now it exists. Uh, I think the brand name exists in some clubs. Like, there's one in uh, New Jersey. But it's, I think it's a conference room that has comedy once a week. <laughs> You're like, I'm they not... have the, you know, they've, they've franchised the brand, but the actual Catch a Rising Star, like you'd see in, like, Seinfeld, that, that hasn't existed for a while uh, okay. since before I started. I started when I was 19. Wow. So I was still in college. I, I, looked, I, I looked so young. I looked probably like I was 13 at the time. <sighs> and so, I, you know, I think I had like that. People were like, wow, he's funny enough and looked so young that this is also kind of weird. So it made it even <laughs> funnier because it was like, this, how is this prodigy thinking of these things? But I wasn't as young as they thought. And do you think there's any prodigy there? I mean, and, and are those rhythms kind of beat in there because you watched a lot of Seinfeld? Like, do you think that? watching a lot of sitcoms you can become better at joke writing yeah absolutely i mean i'm, I'm obsessed with the simpsons oh. um more so than seinfeld even and re-watching and watching over and over and over and like quoting episodes to my friends like it's, which is all we did in high school it just teaches you actually how to structure a perfect joke how to use misdirection um as much as watching stand-up specials can teach you that uh i think just understanding why things are funny now, I like that you're doing cre credible misdirection now. You know, it's rooted in truth. Like some of that stuff is so absurd that you don't believe it. And it's hard to kind of transition from a joke, you know, with some absurd premise where you're the you know, guy walking down the street and you see a duck. And then the next joke, you're walking down the street and you see a hot air balloon. At some point, people are like, I don't believe this stuff. Like this is not actually rooted in any truth. So, so the more you become personal, you can still put misdirection in there because people don't know the full extent of the truth. And so like, do you think credible misdirection is kind of a, a better, a better way to go? Like some of this Nikki Glaser stuff. I'm like, I don't believe a word you just fucking said. <laughs> She's not having that much sex. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, please. Yeah. Like you just had sex with a young, oh yeah. So I, and sometimes it's in a tag, you know, oh, oh yeah. So this homeless guy and, and then I fucked him. It's like, no, you didn't. You know, three jokes previous were about how you're in a serious relationship. It's just like, she recently came out with a special that was better. Um, but, you know, she's not Eliza yet. You know, somebody like Eliza Schlesinger can put in, you know, four specials and just come off as credible for a lot of them. The recent one was dog shit, but she's on my Mount Rushmore <laughs> for the three or four before that. Um, yeah, I, I agree, though. That I, think, I think credible misdirection is important um, because there's always some people in the audience. You, what you want to do is, like, never make the audience think ever. <laughs> um, and so sometimes that has to do with, like, the word choice that you use. If you use a word that, like, maybe they're not fully... Um, aware of or they have to just think for a split second like oh yeah that's that word that means whatever um, um, then they're taking themselves out of the joke for a second and that's, okay. that's a bad thing and, and so, so if there's anything incredible on there direction yeah you have to have it be a story that like they're not going to say in their mind like wait a second he just said he was married and now there's this thing by then you've it's too late they're not going to laugh yeah, at people, it's like the it's like this internet everyone wants to have like a gotcha moment they want to be able to say that's not true or he's lying yeah, yeah. um and so, yeah, now a lot of the jokes that I do are somehow believable enough that people actually, you know, they'll come up to me afterwards and ask like, oh, is that true? Is your wife like this? Whatever. And I have yeah. to be like, well, I'm, you know, I'm exaggerating for the, the joke. Yeah. Yeah. She, she is a little bit like this. It's, yeah. But I, I like that it's rooted in truth. But I, li I like how you're saying, yeah, if they're using their brain, <laughs> they're probably not going to be using their laughter muscle or whatever the fucking that muscle is, you know, like you have to kind yeah. of dumb it down. And the minute they're thinking a split second, that's a minute that they're not spent laughing. Yeah, and I think, like, I'm, there used to be a joke, that this comic that I, I'm not going to name him because I'm talking about one of his jokes here. Uh, <laughs> um, but he's one of my favorite comics, and 
he, he has a joke where he uses the word audit, but not in the way that most people would think of the word audit. You think of audit, you think of like taxes or something, but he was using it in the way of like a college student, like listening on a class yeah. that not actually take. Yeah. And so he used that word there. And I always thought whenever I would hear that joke, like that's an odd choice of a word there because like you have these audiences in the comedy clubs in the city that are, you know, foreign tourists, whatever it is, they're not like, maybe they don't know that use of the word. And yeah. I think it just takes them a, a couple seconds to figure out what, what the context of the joke is. And I think it takes them. And you're, and you're like, this guy's, a, this guy's a stud. How come he hasn't thought of that yet? But we follow you and your jokes are going to be credible misdirection and Alon, you so crazy is Twitter and Alon Instagram is you and uh, Instagram, but your other one cartoons on clouds taking off like a rocket ship. And the other one was a comedian's get, guessing punchlines. Is that on YouTube? Uh, yes, yeah, so you can see those, uh, on my Instagram, we have clips of them, uh, oh, good. and, uh, or you can look at, uh, Rob Ryan, Rob Ryan rocks on Instagram. He has more videos of it there and on his, uh, YouTube. Um, Dude, yeah, you got, you got spinoffs like crazy, man. Yeah. Another one that we didn't talk about is, uh, uh at the beginning of the quarantine, I started doing these, I would do a joke about the pandemic out off my balcony here in the city to nobody. Um, and so those are called, um, uh, NYC quarantine balcony. I don't even know what they're called anymore. Uh, quarantine balcony stand up, something like that. I did like yeah. 18 of those or 20 of those. Yeah. I, I see that. So a lot of content that it will never be useful once uh, the world starts up again. Dude, well, I mean, you're creating spinoffs and during the quarantine, that could have been a spinoff for this particular season, but Larry, the COVID guys, another one spinoffs like crazy, like a great sitcom. Alan Altman, thank you so much for coming on. Thanks, Brian. It was really fun. Thanks for having me.